Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Ag Today. Coming up on today's program, sometime this week producers can start applying for money from agri-recovery through Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation. We'll hear from the acting president and CEO of Saskatchewan Crop Insurance, Jeff Morrow, on how it's going to work. The president and CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association says a few things from Friday's agri-recovery announcement surprised him. We'll hear from Grant McClellan on that as well. The November canola contract did well last week with a $26 increase and December Minneapolis wheat also went up by $0.08 a bushel. We'll have reaction from PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccolo. And world events are having quite an impact on commodities as well. Longtime market analyst Errol Anderson will join us about that. And there's growing concern over the future of Canada's pulse exports to India. And we'll hear from Greg Cherwick, the president of Pulse Canada, on that. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Saskag Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather, and Phil, it's overcast here in the Yorkton area. We had some snow, some rain, some sleet, something like that this morning. Can we expect some more before the day is out? Yeah, we may still have a little bit of that around, though the bulk of it is winding down at this point. Uh, when you look at the day, though, I should note it is a very average day. Normal high this time of year, 7, normal low minus 4, and we're right there. How, you ask? Well, it was 6 at midnight, so uh, one degree off the high, uh, the normal high. The problem is that's the last time it was six. It uh, fell through the morning, uh, finally leveled off here over the last hour or so, and it will very slowly begin to drop off again. But uh, we've we've stopped our free fall, as it were, and uh, mostly steady within a degree or so through the afternoon. But uh, now with the temperature here, it, we've seen mostly snow, as you mentioned, something falling. It probably not rain most of the time, though still uh, the atmosphere itself has not gone entirely cold. Uh, it's cooling off. The cold air is really digging itself in, so it's getting to that point, but still the potential uh, for some of that mixture, even uh, full rain in spots when the temperature does get uh, on the barely positive side. Most of the time, though, it's flurries, and even more of the time through the afternoon, nothing falling. Again, uh, most of that winding down over the next uh, couple of hours. Temperatures will fall down to, not, to minus 4 tonight, and uh, that 
whatever we get, uh, if we get to freezing again this afternoon, we uh, were last there about 8 o'clock and uh, back now uh, here around noontime. And if we get back a little above, we're seeing our last time above freezing for a while. Temperatures through this week are going to be negative. Uh, minus 4 tonight, only back to minus 1 tomorrow. And tomorrow another disturbance comes in. This could bring some accumulating snow. The atmosphere, as I mentioned, hasn't fully cooled down. By tomorrow it has. That cold air is really digging itself in. So uh, we'll lose some of that uh, wet slushiness to snow and just get a, a general snowfall across the area, 2 to 4 centimeters likely through the afternoon, and even a little bit more possible, another 1 or 2 into the evening hours Tuesday night, and then that winds down. We'll be at minus 1 through the day, minus 7 Tuesday night. Wednesday is still cold. It's minus 1, but uh, nothing more than a few flurries. Accumulating snow over with by Tuesday evening. It's just not going to be doing a whole lot of melting because, as I mentioned, we're still below freezing. We stay at minus 1 on Wednesday, minus 4 under a bright, sunny sky Thursday. A little more cloudiness rolling right back in, though, for Thursday evening. Thursday night, Friday is likely cloudy but dry with a high near minus 3. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour. The Paw is at minus 1 degree. Swan River and Roblin, 0. Dauphin, plus 1. Brandon, plus 8. Show Lake Russell, plus three. Regina and Indian Head are at plus one. Saskatoon, minus one. Hudson Bay, Broadview, Mooseman, zero. Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, minus two. The Yorkton-Melville region has an overcast sky. A north wind at 22 kilometers an hour. 90% is the relative humidity. The temperature is zero. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of 13 degrees and dropped to a low of 4 degrees. There was 1.6 millimeters of rain that fell in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is 7 degrees. The normal low is minus 4 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 7.27 this morning and it will set at 541 this afternoon. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hot spot was Melita at 16 degrees. The cold spot was Thompson at minus 7 degrees. The Saskatchewan hot spot yesterday was Coronac at 16 degrees. The cold spot was Stony Rapids at minus 9 degrees. And that's a look at your agriculture weather. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will continue in one minute's time. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. Sometime this week, producers can start applying for money from agri-recovery through Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation. Speaking on Friday afternoon, Acting President and CEO of Saskatchewan Crop Insurance, Jeff Morrow, says producers need to send in receipts of extraordinary expenses related to feed, transportation of animals, and renting of pasture land. And what we will require is documented proof of, of those extraordinary expenses. So we're looking for receipts. Um, so if you've you know incurred uh, higher feed costs than normal, you've had to purchase extra feed because you, you lost grazing days or your hay yield was poor, we need uh, receipts just to document uh, that you've incurred that extra expense. 
and then we're able to cover up to 70% of that um, extraordinary cost. Eligible animal species include beef cattle and other grazing animals limited to bison, elk, deer, sheep, goats, and horses. Expenses incurred after May 1, 2023 through to the application deadline of March 1, 2024 will be accepted. Morrow says if a producer has extra expenses after submitting the first application, another application must be made. Yeah, if they have extra documentation, it would be the same process, I believe. Um, but a lot of those details, when we, you know, when we make those applications available next week, um, we'll be able to talk through that with producers for sure. So I, I'm not exactly sure on the exact process, but I do know that it, there is the ability of producers to incur more expenses after their original application, provided it's before March 1st, that those would be, we'd be eligible, provided they haven't reached the maximum already. Morrow explains the rationale for deciding which area is eligible or not. So that was um, one of the conditions for the federal cost sharing of this program, that it needed to be associated with the Canadian Drought Monitor. Um, so what we did with that information that was required by the federal government is drew our boundaries around that Canadian Drought Monitor. He encourages producers close to the boundaries to still apply. For producers outside of the boundary, we do encourage them to still apply. Um, you know, as I said, uh, the provincial government committed their full $70 million. So provincial-only funding may be an option for producers outside of that determined eligible area. So, yeah, we certainly encourage producers to, um, to have a conversation with us and apply if they're not in that designated area. Morrow was asked what happens if there isn't enough money to pay everyone. We're managing that through, I think, the initial payment process. We'll be watching applications as they come in um, closely to make sure we align with the budget. That's what I will manage it through that process. Jeff Morrow is the acting president and CEO of the Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation in Melville. Meanwhile, the president and CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association says a few things from Friday's agri-recovery announcement surprised him. The federal government announced a $77 million investment into Saskatchewan's agri-recovery program to help producers financially impacted by drought this season. Grant McClellan says he hoped the announcement came around the same time as the province in August, but still appreciates the support but he thought the federal government's contribution was too low. If you look at what the Saskatchewan portion of that funding is, it's in the neighbourhood of $77 million. And the provincial government, when they made their announcement in August, they came to the table with $70 million. So typically agri-recovery programs and anything that falls under the uh, the ag partnership, but those BRM programs are funded at 40% by the province and 60% by the federal government. And 70 and 77 doesn't quite equal 40 and 60. So we were anticipating a higher number uh, coming from the federal government. Uh, we didn't see that here today. An eligibility map was provided by the provincial government, showing most RMs are eligible, except for areas around Regina, Humboldt, Winyard, and Meadow Lake. McClellan was surprised by how many rural municipalities are eligible, but wonders how producers who are close to the boundaries 
will be affected. We know that there's going to be people that, uh, you know, are missed in this, especially when you go along RM boundaries. I know I was talking to a producer this morning that said he's about four miles from being eligible. So we're going to continue to have some discussions about whether or not there's some room in there to uh, to address areas that may have been missed. But I'll admit that we were a little bit uh, surprised um, that all the areas that have been captured have, have uh, been included because we were led to believe that this map would more closely reflect um, the uh, either the livestock tax deferral program or the uh, drought monitor map that they have. So this does capture more areas perhaps than, than maybe we had anticipated. That doesn't necessarily mean that we don't think that uh, there are areas that are still have been missed but uh, like I said we do we were a little bit surprised at the boundaries of the map. As part of the application producers need to submit receipts of extraordinary expenses for among other things purchasing feed and transportation costs related to hauling feed or animals. Producers who are approved may receive up to $150 per head but McClellan was expecting $200 per head. So again, we were a little surprised uh, that uh, the number right now probably works out to, uh, when you take the federal and provincial dollars, it works out to somewhere between $160 and $165 a head uh, if you work that math out. And so with that $150 initially, that means there's about $15 per head that's still out there and we don't have details on exactly how that's going to be distributed or, or who's going to be receiving that funding. But we expect to be having conversations again with, uh, with the provincial government as this plan rolls out. Farmers can start applying this week as an online application will be available at scic.ca. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. Unionized workers on the St. Lawrence Seaway walked off the job just after midnight Sunday, shutting down the waterway to all cargo vessels, including grain traffic, for now. Unifor, which represents about 360 Seaway workers across five locals in Ontario and Quebec, had served Seaway management with 72-hour strike notice on Wednesday. The St. Lawrence Seaway Management Corporation says that an orderly shutdown of the waterway system took place during the 72-hour period, allowing for vessels to clear the Seaway. No vessels are waiting to exit the system, but there are over 100 vessels outside the system which are impacted by the situation. Seaway Management said it's also waiting now for a response to its Canada Industrial Relations Board application, seeking a ruling under the Canada Labour Code for Unifor to provide employees during a strike so vessels engaged in the movement of grain can continue to move through the system. CN and CPKC Rail supplied a combined 85% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 11, matching the performance seen in the previous week. While overall performance was unchanged, this reflects an improvement in performance for CN and a decline in performance for CPKC. In supplying 89% of hopper cars ordered on time in Week 11, CN saw performance improve somewhat from the 86% order fulfillment performance they posted in week 10. CN performance remains below the 90% performance threshold this week for the seventh consecutive week and for the eighth time in the last nine weeks. 
CPKC performance declined in week 11 for the second consecutive week, with the railway posting its worst performance of the year thus far, with the railway supplying 80% of shipper orders in week 11, down from 83% order fulfillment performance in week 10. CPKC performance remains below the 90% threshold for the second straight week and the third time in the last four weeks. The Canadian Agri-Food Policy Institute is recommending that governments across the country develop a national plan to sustainably manage water use for the agri-food sector. In a report released today, the Institute calls for ambitious commitments from governments and partnerships with stakeholders to prioritize the critical natural resource. The report says the cost of extreme weather and rising temperatures runs to the tune of billions of dollars and it's affecting farmers and the entire agri-food industry. Farmers in this country have been grappling with drought for several summers in a row, with irrigation often the only thing keeping crops going in some areas. 2021 was a particularly bad year when production of some crops fell to their lowest level in more than a decade. The report says immediate action is required to lay the groundwork for effective water management, including to develop uniformity in data collection regarding groundwater and surface water, and investment in research. The governments of Alberta and Canada are to provide $165 million to support livestock producers affected by drought and extreme weather conditions. The Canada-Alberta Drought Livestock Assistance Program is aimed at livestock producers with grazing animals. Alberta Agriculture Minister R.J. Sigurdsson says it will allow those in need to apply for financial support to cover losses they incurred to manage and maintain their breeding herds. He says eligible producers could access up to $150 per head for breeding animals. Under the cost-share deal, the federal government is providing $99 million and Alberta is to chip in another $66 million. Sigurdsson says it has been a rough year for many livestock producers and he's hopeful the program will tide them over until next season. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency says avian flu has been detected on a commercial poultry farm in Chilliwack, B.C. The H5N1 strain, which is spread through contact with an infected bird or its feces or nasal secretions, was first detected in Canadian farms in late 2021 and has continued to infect farms since then. The agency's latest available data shows there have been 330 infected flocks countrywide, affecting 7,773,000 birds as of September 28th. Almost half of the birds culled were in B.C. since April of 2022, after 104 flocks were infected. And be sure to listen to the latest Saskag Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will return right after these messages. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's overcast and zero in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. The November canola contract did well last week with a $26 increase, and December Minneapolis wheat also went up by $0.08 cents a bushel. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccolo 
says the November contract is seeing a lot of volatility. Because it is the front month, it is going to be uh, expiring here this week. So I, I often see a lot of volatility kind of revolving around the kind of the end of a contract. So uh, I would say most traders are going to be watching the January contract now. So most, again, if you're going to be adding positions, you often don't go to the November contract just because it is going to be expiring here soon. So quite a ball of bit of volatility here maybe even for the January contract because it does often there's traders that are rolling their contracts and things like that uh, so that's where this week might we we might see a few things uh, kind of going here and on the soybean side of things we we are seeing kind of the rally slowing that we've recently saw um, there's been a four-month high in meal prices recently um, there's slow planting in Brazil due to dryness and really there has been some bullish technical actions are positive factors for the bull camp um, but overall kind of I would say the soy markets are maybe going to potentially pull uh, kind of canola maybe a bit lower here kind of in, in the short term potentially. As for wheat futures, Piccolo says they may experience a short-term rally in the next few months. Uh, whether it's some of the Middle East uh, kind of tensions are a little bit of bullish uh, bullish news. Uh, there's actually poor crop conditions in Argentina and actually expected additional Chinese demand um, could keep the bull camp a little bit more in control. Uh, so that's where I'm seeing, again, the technical side improving a little bit more. And I would say, you know, when traders are maybe looking at some of these grains here with wheat, you know, near the lows uh, kind of in the last month, that might be kind of one grain to potentially have a bit of a short coming rally here in the next couple months as well. And here is Piccolo's outlook for this week. Well, one thing that kind of happened last week was Jerome Powell, the U.S. Federal Reserve, talking about how inflation may, it might stay a little bit more sticky. Uh, they're potentially going to raise rates again more in December. Um, and so that's kind of been pushing gold up to close to that 2000 kind of level um, and actually the stock market a little bit lower. So uh, why I kind of mentioned that is because if there's kind of a risk off in the stock market or people kind of selling the stock market, that might not be just good for the grain side of things. Um, often when there's just risk off in the stock market, there's risk off in all markets. So uh, again, something I'll be watching for for next week. Adam Piccolo is a commodity futures advisor with PI Financial in Winnipeg. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for December closed at 178.35 today. That's down 627. February live cattle closed at 180.97 down 675. November feeder cattle closed at 235.80, down 642. January feeder cattle closed at 235.70, down 735. December lean hogs closed at 66.17, that's up 17. February lean hogs closed at 70.20, down 22. And that's the livestock market conditions. Well, world events are having quite the impact on commodities. That's according to longtime market analyst Errol Anderson, who says the Israel-Hamas conflict has affected prices of grains, crude oil, 
and gold. Two big factors that are impacting uh, the commodity world is certainly the fear factor that the confrontation will spread. And, and with that, uh, oil prices have been very volatile. And we've seen oil uh, move up. Uh, you know, the, it was prior to the conflict, oil was actually starting to come down. And now it's popped up closer to $90 a barrel again. Uh, the other uh, commodity is certainly uh, gold. Uh, gold, which had submerged below uh, $1,900 an ounce, now is getting closer to $2,000 an ounce. So this is really a fear factor that's driving both of these uh, markets. Um, the grain markets are kind of on hold and watch right now. Um, we haven't seen a lot of uh, you know movement in the grains. Uh, you know, albeit some grains have been very depressed, some are starting to bottom. We believe. Um, but, um, you know, we're going to have to keep an eye on this conflict because if the crude oil does go up over $100 a barrel, uh, if it escalates, then certainly that'll start to push the corn market back up. And uh, so we do have some influences here that could affect us uh, shortly. The Canadian dollar is being affected somewhat by the Israel-Hamas conflict. Well, I actually, uh, I'm, a, I'm a little bit bearish on the dollar. Um, the U.S. dollar has been uh, the flight towards safety, and we've seen uh, strong gains in the U.S. dollar, and that's, that's a problem for the soybean market and the corn market in the States because it, uh, it restricts their exports. So the, the Canadian dollar, I, you know, I think we're still range-bound, 74 cents being sort of the high end, uh, 72.5 cents being the low end of the market. Uh, but my antenna's up that at some point here, crude oil is going to break down. I just don't know when. But when that day comes, I can see us going to the lower end of that trading window. And um, again, uh, we have to follow those interest rates. I think uh, the Bank of Canada will back off on interest rate hikes now. Uh, they'll be steady to pause. And uh, in my opinion, I think at some point here midwinter that these rates could actually start coming down. Anderson also mentioned the economic recession in China influencing Canadian canola prices. Now, I know this is crazy to say, but the fallout in their real estate is so severe. Like their real estate index in China has dropped 85%, so it's like a total collapse. And that has impacted the commodity world, and it's even rippled around to impact the Canadian canola market because it affects the global commodities as a whole. But that's not to say that canola can't rebound. It can. The January contract uh, actually was breaking up above uh, $720, and if we can get a little bit of momentum, there's a potential that, you know, the Jan, we could see that 750 area. But again, if the crude oil, we have to watch that as well. If the tensions subside and crude oil starts to fall back, uh, I can see the crude oil, again, dropping below $80 a barrel once there's, there's stability, because we actually do have a surplus of gasoline, and um, uh, gasoline stocks are actually uh, at a 25-year seasonal high right now. So this is something that isn't really advertised through the media too much, but that just shows you that this market can pull back and the canola market on the downside could break that $700 range. Now, if it does, then we're, the next support would be around 680 So right now, we're really in a flux. We're watching the Middle East. We're watching China. Uh, we could go either way. Um, we're, it's going to get a little bit choppy, and uh, but our thought is that when you do see rallies on these grain markets, consider making some cash sales because I think right now the world's going into a bit of a recession right now and, and these rallies won't hold. Some countries are moving away from oil in favor of alternative sources. Despite that, Anderson says oil remains 
king of commodities. We really have to respect where the crude oil market is going. Uh, you know, there's still a significant demand for oil, albeit though I think the overall global demand is going to start to weaken. Um, and, and um, you know, I think the prices here, once we get the stability back in the world, whenever that is, I think the oil market, and I realize many will disagree with this comment, but I think oil is as much as $20 a barrel overvalued right now. So somewhere, 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 this market's going to trip itself up. I don't know when. It could be two weeks from now. It could be two months from now. But um, if if the oil market uh, does go up to $100 a barrel, to me, that'll be an excellent opportunity to start looking at your green prices as well, because it should pull us as well in the green world. And once oil starts to turn back down, so will the grain prices. And Anderson says keep an eye on the conflict in the Middle East as well as what's happening in China. I think that's that's really the huge one. But the other factor is I, I really ha- do have to respect what's happening in China because China uh, consumes more than 50% of all global commodities. So when you look at you know you look at the copper market and and uh, sort of all the industrials, uh, that's a major major factor. And uh, again, uh, I think the Chinese economy right now is in a bit of a slide. Uh, it's probably going to be weakened here going over the next one to two years. So with that thought, um, you know, the commodity markets can rally, but again, uh, when you have your uh, most major buyer in trouble, uh, the rally simply won't hold. That's Errol Anderson. He is a longtime market analyst. Please stay tuned. Saskank today will continue right after these messages. Welcome back to Saskank today. There's growing concern over the future of Canada's pulse exports to India. India has ordered a number of Canadian diplomats out of the country. It's over Canada's allegations that the Indian government was involved in the assassination of a Canadian man in British Columbia. Greg Cherwick, the president of Pulse Canada, hopes the impact on Canadian lentil farmers will be minimal. Generally speaking, it's diplomats and people on the ground and embassies and high commissions and consulates worldwide are pretty important to us. You know, on a day-to-day basis, they're the kind of people that help you if you have trouble with shipments arriving in the country or documentation associated with those shipments. They can help you interpret things like uh, new policy measures, et cetera, that are often open to interpretation. But, you know, in addition to that, they're there for you over the long term. They're your eyes and ears on the ground. They're the people that help you with long-term kind of industry engagement strategies, working with governments, et cetera. So, yeah, those people are important. I think what's unique though about the pulse industry's relationship in india is that we've been doing business there for 30 years so the people to people ties the business to business ties uh, even the industry to industry relationships that we've developed at pulse canada they're quite strong so you know we have a network of people that we can work with that will help us manage through anything that might come up over time so i mean the people at that high commission are incredibly important at this stage we don't really have any information on who's been impacted, so hard to say today, but, uh, you know, they're important to us, but so are the relationships that we've developed at more of a industry-to-industry, B2B level. He says it's also hard to say if India will put up any trade barriers to Canadian lentils. Well, you know, again, I'd go back to the fact that from a pulse trade relationship perspective, the, the ties are quite good. So our communication is good with our industry counterparts in the country. And at the same time, you know, this is a market that's growing. 
the demand is strong from the marketplace right now. And so we're in a good position to continue to serve that demand. Um, you know, and there has been no indication whatsoever to date that there'll be any disruption flow of lentils in particular to India. As far as Chairwick can tell, the Indian market is still looking to buy Canadian product. Yeah, and, and, and you know, every country around the world is contending with the same issues when it comes to food price inflation and, in particular, the cost of staple sources of, of protein are, are an important thing in, in countries that we service. So affordability is really important and availability year-round of these staple sources of protein is, is important. So for those reasons and because we have such strong relationships with, with, the, with the trade in that country, you know, we don't have any particular concerns at this point. But he still wants Canada and India to resolve this diplomatic dispute as soon as possible. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, honestly, the, the any time there's the diplomatic tension between you know, our government and a, and a government in, in a market that we serve, it can create some uncertainty. And uncertainty, generally speaking, isn't good for business. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, the relationships that we establish at an industry level are really important. And, and I can tell you, the farmers that sit around our table, the members of the trade that sit around our table, are 100% committed to markets like India. And, and I'm not saying this is unique to the pulse industry, but the reality is these farmers are producing food and they're producing staple foods. And they see it as being a, an absolute priority to ensure that the food that they grow is made available to people who need it 365 days a year. And they expect that that will be kept separate from any other issues that need to be resolved between governments. So, you know, it's a very strong sentiment here that, that we need to continue to focus on the business that we're involved in, and that's providing food. Greg Cherwick is the president of Pulse Canada. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. November canola closed at 679.80, down $14.60. January canola closed at 691.20, down $13.20. December Minneapolis wheat closed at 738 and a quarter, that's up 7 and a half cents. December Kansas City wheat closed at 670 and 3 quarters. That's up three-quarters of a cent. December Chicago wheat closed at 587 and a quarter. That's up one and a quarter cents. December corn closed at 490 and a quarter, down five and a quarter cents. November soybeans closed at 1286 and three quarters, down 15 and a half cents. December oats closed at 385 and a half, up three cents. And that's the commodities update. Legislation has been introduced in Parliament to make it easier for new imported seed, feed and crop protection products to receive regulatory approval in Canada. Bill C-359 was put forward by Nova Scotia Liberal MP Cody Blois, who is also chair of the House of Commons Agriculture Committee. 
Blois says it will shorten the period it takes to approve new technology. If an applicant arrives in Canada with two existing approvals from a trusted jurisdiction, there would be an ability to provide a 90-day provisional registration. Now, timelines vary between the agencies, but right now, in some cases, it can be a year, two years, three or more. Blois would not say which countries would be considered as trusted jurisdictions. If we have other trusted jurisdictions, and it's not my job to determine who a trusted organization, but we want to give those tools available to the regulatory agencies to be able to say, for example, in Europe, we know that if there is an approval in place that it followed a scientific process, that the process was robust and would be similar to the type of practices that our regulators in Canada take on. We know that if that product is approved there, that there's a probably a good chance that it's going to be approved in Canada because we have similar scientific practices. Bill C-359 is being supported by several agricultural organizations. Canadian Federation of Agriculture President Keith Curry calls it common sense no-cost measure. The ability of farmers to have timely access to crop uh, inputs such as feed, seed and products for use in pest management is extremely important. If producers are to remain competitive in the global market, we must ensure they have the access to the products they need and when they need them. Rick White is the president and CEO of the Canadian Canola Growers Association. In recent years, we have seen considerable delays in the introduction of new canola seed varieties as our domestic regulatory system can't seem to keep up with advancement in new agricultural technologies such as gene editing. While we feel strongly that Canada ranks amongst the best in the world in terms of our scientists and regulators, we know that there are unnecessary layers of red tape, bureaucracy and funding that are preventing us from a more efficient and expeditious review and approval process here in Canada. Representatives from the Canadian Cattle Association and Grain Growers of Canada also expressed support for Bill C-359. Bloys also called for new feed regulations to be published in the Canada Gazette 2 by the end of the year. Please stay tuned, your Farm Bulletin Board is coming up next. Farm Bulletin Board. Clean Farms is collecting unwanted agricultural pesticides, as well as old obsolete livestock and equine medications this week. The nonprofit organization funded by crop protection companies provides the free service on a rotating basis across the country. This time it's southern Saskatchewan's turn. Twenty collection events are being held at various local ag retailers. That includes today at the Cargill in Raymore, tomorrow at Nutrien Ag Solutions in Balgoni, Wednesday at Synergy Ag in Balcaris, Thursday at Richardson Pioneer in Grenfell, and Friday at the Parish in Heimbecker in Mooseman. Don't forget the 34th annual Grain Millers Harvest Showdown is coming up November 1st to the 4th in Yorkton on the Yorkton Exhibition Grounds. There's free admission, free gate admission. The Fun Motorsports Country Trade Show runs Thursday through Saturday, November 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. There will be a trade show, a grain show, a forage show, a pedigreed seed show, breeder's alley, a cattle show and sale, chore team competition, horse pulls, ranch rodeo, stock dog competition, school tours, 4-H clinics, a senior supper and dance, mutton busting, professional bull riding, 
and two cabarets as well, so lots to come and check out. And that's today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. A 30% chance of flurries and sprinkles. Winds north-northeast at 20 to 35. The high steady near zero. For tonight, mainly cloudy. Winds northeast at 10 to 20. A low of minus 4. For tomorrow, a 90% chance of light snow developing. 2 to 4 centimeters possible. Winds north-northeast at 15 to 25. A high of minus 1. An overnight low of minus 7. For Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of flurries. Winds west-northwest at 10 to 20. And a high of minus 1. For Thursday, sunny, a high of minus 4. And Friday, cloudy, a high of minus 3. In the Paw, it's minus 1 degree. Swan River and Roblin are at 0. Dauphin plus 1. Brandon plus 8. Show Lake Russell plus 3. Regina and Indian Head are at plus 1. Saskatoon minus 1. Hudson Bay, Broadview, Mooseman 0. Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, minus 2. The Yorkton, Melville region has an overcast sky, a north wind at 22 kilometers an hour. 90% is the relative humidity. The temperature is zero. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for SaskAg Today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. CJGX Yorkton, a Harvard Media radio station serving Saskatchewan and Manitoba. We are GX94. Saskeg Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.